Welcome to the Intertidal Talks podcast. I am Kendra, marine biologist and your host. This podcast is meant to teach, inform, and entertain you about all things marine science and conservation. If you are a marine scientist or advocate with a story to share, you can contact me at intertidaltalks at gmail.com. Want to join our marine science community? Join us at patreon.com slash kendi underscore marine bio. everyone and welcome back to Intertidal Talks and today I'm really excited that we get to talk to Jesse and so why don't you introduce yourself who you are where you're from what you do what made you love marine science just kind of throw it all out there all right okay um hi I'm Jesse I'm a marine biologist from California I like to call myself a marine biologist with too many hobbies um so I currently am in grad school and I'm studying elasmobranch ecological physiology, which we'll probably touch on later. Um, and I don't know, I think I was lucky enough to grow up um, by the ocean in California. So I got to spend a lot of time with it as a child. And I think I've always just been drawn to it. Um, I have maybe been a little too fearless with it, but I remember being young and like in the the Pacific and Northern California and getting held under by a wave for, you know, like a couple seconds here and there. It feels like forever when you're down there, but having that happen at like age eight and just being like, this is fine, you know, it'll pass. <laughs> this is fine. I'm in the water. <laughs> like, so maybe too, a little too fearless, like I was saying, but just have always loved the ocean just can't get enough of it ever always want to be crunchy and salty at all times I love that and so you grew up in California mm -hmm. always in California um yes okay um I lived in California until I moved for grad school this past year so spent my entire life there so what's your like education background before grad school before grad school. Yes, yeah, so I got my bachelor's in marine biology from Cal State Long Beach, go beach. Um, highly recommend the school for those out there who are wondering where they can go for, for marine biology. It's a great program. I loved it. I felt very supported by the teachers there. So when you were um, at university, like what kind of experiences did you get? How did you feel about that school? Like, were there a lot of good opportunities either at the school or even just around in California? Yeah, I felt like it was a really good place to be for marine biology um, because, you know, we had Aquarium of the Pacific um, where I volunteered a little bit and did an internship. Um, so that's in Long Beach. And then we had just north of us, the Cabrillo Marine Aquarium where people could also volunteer. And a lot of the people or a lot of the professors, a lot of the faculty on campus are really marine focused from sharks to like cyanobacteria. Mm -hmm. um, so there was like a lot of range of stuff that you could do. I started out doing like menial um, basic data entry um, in the low lab, the shark lab at Cal State Long Beach. I shouldn't call it menial. Um, it was fun. I, I enjoyed data entry, but that's 
that's where, you know, I started off. Um, everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. And then I did an undergrad research project in the, the reproductive biology lab actually on um, fish with Dr. Kelly Young, which was amazing. And then the Cal States, they also offer um, Catalina semester, which is a semester where you go and you live on Catalina Island at the Wrigley Center, which is um, owned by USC. And you take classes and you do another independent research project. And that was incredible. That was absolutely like that changed my life. Um, it's one of the best things I did as, you know, a student to get where I am in marine science. So did you like sharks before going to undergrad or did that happen while you were in your undergrad? That happened while I was in undergrad. I knew that I wanted to do marine science um, going in. I knew that I liked biology, I liked the ocean, and I liked animals, so it was kind of um, a trifecta, but I really didn't have any idea of what I actually wanted to do. I think I also didn't really understand what being a marine biologist was going in, and I think I lucked out um, because I think, like everybody else, I kind of had this impression like, oh, you, you train dolphins or something. Um, <laughs> And I learned very quickly that is not what it is. Um, and I'm happy that's not what it is actually. No offense to dolphin trainers, that's great. That's just, you know, ended up really not being what I wanted to do at all. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think I lucked out going in that I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I ended up loving what I was getting myself into. So yeah. Yeah, I don't, I didn't understand. I feel like what the field was either going into it, but I like grew up in Arizona. And I really only had experience with like marine parks and I wanted mm -hmm. to be a trainer. And then mm -hmm. I got to school and I was like, research is pretty cool. Yeah. It has nothing to do with cetaceans, which is what I thought I would end up doing. But like my professors that were doing different genetic fish research, then genetic coral research and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is super cool and totally not what I expected. And then I was like, I want to do research instead. But yeah. like going in, I was like, I'm in the train killer whales. Yeah. Which didn't happen. <laughs> and then I ended up, you know, cutting up fish testicles and looking at sperm. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. like for us, like you just bug a sea urchin enough until it releases its sperm. You're like, there yeah. they go. That was what the lab next door to mine did. Or I think it was like larval stuff with sea urchins. But. Yeah. It's not hard to get them to do it. I've done it on accident while diving. I was showing my aunt a sea urchin while we were on Big Island. Mm -hmm. And I brought it up and I was like, here, just hold it. Like it was a collector urchin. They don't. And when it started to like hold on to her, it freaked her out. And so she kept like yeah. dropping it. And so it, <laughs> it got stressed. And as I was returning it, it started to gush. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> here you go make some babies Whoopsies. uh so you said in your little intro that you have a lot of hobbies what are some of those hobbies because I think they're very fun um well I do a lot of knitting yes. I just finished this crop top that I'm wearing it's very um, good. while I was on I was knitting it while I was on another zoom um thank you uh I roller skate um I like film photography and I write poetry and have, um, you know, published a couple books, I guess you could say. 
Oh, what started, like, when did you start doing that? And like, what maybe inspired? Have you always written poems or is it like a new thing? Um, I was like one of those weird kids on the playground when I was seven years old and I carried around a notebook and I had all these poems in it. And when I was in middle school, I think I used to think I wanted to be a writer. Mm. Um, and then that changed really quick. But then I went through like a really crappy breakup in college and I was like all right um I have some feelings so I'm gonna write them down um and then I'm gonna go to an open mic and y'all are going to listen to me talk about it I guess wow yeah yeah so what are your little poetry books my little poetry books well one is titled body of water and one is titled daughter of salt is it so they like ocean themed I would assume yeah so they are pretty ocean themed pretty science themed um I draw a lot of my inspiration from science because I think a lot of science is really poetic like how could you not learn about photosynthesis and not think that that's poetic at least to me personally and you know, other like sharks going to warmer waters to, you know, speed up gestation. I think that's beautiful. And I know it's not always the most scientific thing to ascribe, you know, like feelings um, to these phenomena, but like removing that separate from research, not thinking about that in research, you know, not introducing bias, but then going into the rest of your life and just kind of like thinking about these things like I remember sitting in chemistry class and just being in awe at the fact that things do these things you know like you're made of so much carbon and carbon also makes up all these other things and I don't know maybe it's a little woo-woo but it, it just no I think I it's cool yeah, yeah I I definitely don't have that and it's very interesting like I don't see photosynthesis I'm like oh it's beautiful I'm just like it's photosynthesis but I, like everyone's like minds work completely different like yeah I love musical theater because I grew up mm -hmm. a theater kid but I know some people find mm -hmm. it the most annoying thing on the planet understandably um and like I will sometimes listen to songs in musical theater quote critically instead of just like loving it I'm like these songs are dumb and I totally see why people like don't just get like the the like weird glee that comes oh my gosh glee anyway the weird glee that just comes glee. from like listening to musical theater mm -hmm. so I think the same goes for like poetry like some of us just don't have either the, the mind to like naturally see beauty and things like that yeah. or to write it down like I can't write fiction or poetry but I'm really good at writing like science communication blog posts mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um and I'm I suck at doing um scientific reports though like ah. chemistry reports no 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 those were yeah. a struggle for me mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Uh, but like my my roommate was amazing at it so mm -hmm. everyone's different but I think it's really cool yeah. especially like with the science perspective that you will like also have a cool insight to go into the poetry get yeah. a little bit more specific than just like something more general so I think it's really cool Thank you. Yeah. And it's a yeah. fun. I definitely think it's a fun hobby yeah. and probably not something that is super, super common or thought of for the field. No. And I do, I do kind of like keep it quiet. Um, 
I don't, I mean, I guess I'm not keeping it quiet now, but I don't really like make it known like in my bio department. Um, if they were to ever Google that and see that, I think I would want to melt into the floor. Personally, <laughs> oh. You know, <laughs> I think it's pretty. Oh my goodness. But yeah, yeah, science is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So but it's also like, oh, sorry. No, no, go, go, go. It's also like, I know at the beginning I said, oh, you know, I started talking about my feelings, but then I did grow um, to love it in a way that it was like a craft for me as well. Um, so I did take it very seriously and like worked really hard on it. And it's still very personal, um, but I always feel like sometimes when I say, oh, I, I wrote poetry, I have poetry books. I feel like people think it's like a dear diary kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. um, and it's no, no problem if like, that's what people do, but yeah, me personally. That's, that's like not. what, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that anything's, but you know. <laughs> well, I think it's a cool way to communicate science. And even if it's just like the beauty of science, like there's yeah. many layers of science communication. And so mm -hmm. on the topic of science communication, good segue for me um you I found you on TikTok making I don't know what video it was that I saw first but basically you make like science marine science content but also just like funny content um yeah. <laughs> and so like how or why did you start that was it something that like it started personal but then like a video kind of went viral and you were just like okay and started making more or did you kind of go into it intentionally wanting to have a space to talk about marine science with an audience um i just posted a random video of some sea lions that i had taken at work um and that went viral um because i did not go on that platform with any intention to ever make videos whatsoever i was very intimidated by it um, but this, this video went viral. So then I posted a couple others and people started asking questions slash, I would see stuff out there that was misinformation or, you know, maybe animal harassment. And I started engaging with that and people sort of gathered, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And now here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, just say that I maybe it was an animal harassment video because I remember a couple of yours like that because I've made some too. And people, it's yeah. so funny when people comment like, Oh, you're a Karen. I don't know if you get, I mean, I'm more yes. than sure you get those as well, but it's mm -hmm. like, No, like it's the law. And I feel like yeah. that's usually your response. You're like, <laughs> I mean, even if it wasn't the law, I still think maybe don't, yeah, still don't just like do it. Like, don't touch a feline for your benefit and theirs like mutual benefit to not touch each other <laughs> yeah I think one of my favorite videos you're, you've made um partially because I found the comment section so ridiculous was your I forget what it was but it was like the different sharks either as like different sounds mm -hmm. and people were just like getting offended one of their sharks they liked weren't in it and you were like messaging me like oh my gosh people are so and oh my goodness and you had to make like a whole separate video like if I didn't say your favorite shark, don't take it freaking personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that got kind of overwhelming. Um, and people commenting like, where's this? And I was like, I can't, I can't get to all of them. And they were like, 
oh, sorry, I was, I was just joking. And I was like, okay, maybe I should stop taking these things personally. But also when it, it was like thousand plus comments, like, like minute by minute, there was a new comment. Like she forgot hammerhead. She forgot this. I was like, I didn't forget. Stop saying I forgot. I made a artistic choice <laughs> um, to go with some lesser known tracks. Also somebody had actually made um a video with that sound talking about sharks and I didn't want to do the exact same sharks they were doing I wanted to add to the conversation instead of just con continue with it you know yeah like copy. almost yeah. looking like a copy yeah yeah exactly I, I was like wow there's more we could talk about let's let's throw them on there and people seem to you know they just want the tigers and the hammerheads and the bulls. Oh my. Um, People. I, know. I get it. They're beautiful. They're charismatic. But yeah, I, especially somebody who's like in love with stingrays as well. Mm -hmm. I just, I really love shark diversity and ray diversity and, and highlighting that because I think we need more of that. Oh gosh. I'm bumping my <laughs> yeah. I think I've, I mean, my favorite shark is the sandbar. Mm -hmm. hashtag best shark no shame they are the best <laughs> I do like their dorsal fins I love I love sandbars but I just I thought the comments were so because I've gotten videos like that too where they're like and it's so weird like I used to, I think at one point I made videos where I was like I made like six and I was like if this video is on your for you page this means you're going to study this and it's like different disciplines people be like I don't want this I was like okay okay <laughs> thank you because you really needed the comment <laughs> it's just it's so funny like what people feel what people comment sometimes like right now someone's commented on all my videos asking if I'm gonna have kids and I'm just like um that's a personal question that's very personal I don't really feel like discussing that on TikTok thank you very much mm -hmm. but it's just fun I don't know. I always find it funny seeing what people comment on stuff especially like from creator to creator who we were talking about it behind the scenes. It was very, very comedic, but also like, I think it's important people to realize that sometimes a funny comment or even not, like some people probably were being like rude and like, you mm -hmm. forgot this and that, that it's, it can mm -hmm. be affect, like it can affect someone. Not like, yeah, yeah. Not that you would like spiral into horrendous depression, but it could just mm -hmm. be like overwhelming. Yeah. It felt overwhelming and a lot of them, and I know it's over the internet. So intent and um you're not getting voice inflection you're not getting body language you're literally just reading text on the screen so that makes it harder but it did it started to feel demanding and that's also when I was in like my first week of graduate school and I was I was just overwhelmed it yeah. was overwhelming um you know I'm glad I'm glad people like want to look and see the the content or whatever um but yeah, it was overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And so you mentioned your love for stingrays. Yes. And so Maybe. let's talk about that. Is that your focus of your master's? Yes, it is. So I what, am. how would you summarize your math? Like what you're doing for your master's? I'm basically looking at stingray hypoxia tolerance and, um, you know, age class, a little bit of, you know, life history sort of involved in that hypoxia tolerance um, work. So yeah, I've just started. So it's, it's 
in the development stages. Yeah. So like, do you have certain species you're working with? I've seen videos of little stingrays and a lamb. Yeah. That's actually not my study species. That's for a different project that one of my advisors or actually both of my advisors are working on. Um, Those are round rays. Those are actually, I'm in Georgia, but those are from California. (laughs) Oh, home. Like we came out here together, you know, Yeah. me and the round rays. You should have just flown with them. Right. I know. I could have held them in my lap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm working with at least for right now, um, my beginning species is the Atlantic stingray. So they're one of the smaller, I believe, smaller daisy adids. Um, they get, you know, 40 centimeters mm-hmm. max, the females do, which is actually pretty small for a daisy added, I believe. Um, and when they're born, they're like 10 centimeters. They're tiny little things. So um they're they're good to work with um Mm -hmm. for what I'm doing when you have to bring them into a laboratory they're good model species they're hardy yeah so like how how do you go about well when whenever you start doing your research like what would that kind of look like do you just for people who are listening do you create like the entire project and like the methods how to execute it materials and all that um is there kind of a guide for you like what's how would that look and how has that been for you with your master's? Yeah, so I know it's different for everybody, mm-hmm. but so for my experience, how it worked was, I so I have two advisors, um, one who's like my main advisor and then one who's my co-advisor. Um, and what they kind of did was told me some subjects. So working on elasma break, so working on stingrays or sharks, and some subjects that I could read literature on and start to think of ideas. So they talked about um, catch and release stress physiology and hypoxia, mm-hmm. um, hypoxia tolerance. And for those who are listening, um, who may not know what hypoxia is, I know I said it and didn't define it earlier. It's low environmental oxygen um, and sort of being able to withstand lower environmental oxygen is hypoxia tolerance. Um, So what I did was I just read as many papers as I could um, to figure out what we do know Mm -hmm. and what we don't know um, and where we sort of have open spaces in our literature um, and our knowledge that I could fill with a master's project. Um, and so I had a list of ideas and I presented those to my advisors and they decided on one of them that they thought would be feasible, um, be publishable. Um, so yeah, so that's that's how it worked. So then I, I just started working on a project proposal for it. Um, and the methods I've sort of drawn from help from my advisors telling me, you know, what we could do and also looking at other literature um, and seeing what they've done. Yeah. So what is an environment or situation where a stingray would be experiencing hypoxia or like, what is this hole that you're working on filling that kind of, or the question um, that this study would almost be answering? Yeah. So stingrays, um, would experience hypoxia sort of anywhere. Like you could have hypoxic waters kind of 
anywhere in the ocean. It's it's not as common in the marine environments as it is necessarily in freshwater environments, mm -hmm. just because you have less mixing volume in a freshwater environment. But typically shallow um, coastal environments where you have water that is going to be warmer because it's shallower, so it's going to heat up faster. Um, there's less mixing volume, so just less water to be turning over and places where you're getting eutrophication can cause low oxygen in the water. So essentially what my thought kind of is as a whole, um, and this could be very wrong, we don't know, that's why I'm doing this study, yeah. is that younger elasmobranchs might be a little better at handling low oxygen because a lot of the time they're occupying shallower warmer water that's more subject to hypoxic conditions than their older conspecifics maybe mm -hmm. um and so we're just gonna go out there and see what we can see what we can figure out see if that's a thing in this species or if it's not um because what i've seen from reading the literature is in stress physiology and hypoxia tolerance and temperature tolerance and temperature sensitivity, it is so species specific for sharks and rays. Yeah. It is so variable. So I can say, yeah, the Atlantic stingray is a, a model species, but can I really extrapolate out you, you know, what I find to everybody else or are we going to have to look at everybody else i think we're going to have to look at everybody else because like i was yeah. saying super species specific well that's like um aspects. i've heard with like catch and release shark fishing um mm -hmm. their species i think like the hammerheads are really quote fragile where they can yep. even die hours from being off the line even if it was mm -hmm. caught and released whereas mm -hmm. my professor told me an experience with the nurse shark where i'm like 95 <laughs> percent sure it was a nurse shark got caught was on the boat out of water for a long time, like hours, and put back in and survived. I cannot with no sharks. And he was, and so we were just talking about like catch and release and whatnot, and how it is so species specific, and you can't blanket statement just say, oh, all yep. catch and release is bad, because, um, because there are like our greater hammerheads, or maybe not greater hammerhead, whatever hammerhead it was that was just more prone to even mm -hmm. dying on a catch and release whereas you got these super resilient nurse sharks yeah. and other species that are probably like oh just throw me on the boat for a couple hours I'll hang out with you and then throw me yep. back and I'll be fine <laughs> yep because yeah. like I've talked to people who have like gone to Florida and they're like oh can I do a catch and release and I I'm usually like it's up to you I personally wouldn't just because what if you do get one of those species on your line in knowing that even after release they could still die it's so mm -hmm. here here so so mm -hmm. yeah but i do think it's really interesting is with these animals it's, you can't or you shouldn't maybe just blanket statement mm -hmm. but then you kind of you can get like oh well isn't it better for none of them to get caught but whatever it's like with <laughs> your stingrays with the stingrays too like yeah this one species may be really good but another species may be like mm -hmm. super, it's super interesting yep, yep. and so yeah yeah. And so on like, so this is the species you're, you're studying. Is there like a dream species you kind of like, if you could pick any species anywhere, any question to do for a study with stingrays, and then we can maybe do sharks. What would you do? Spotted eagle rays. 100%. I feel so basic, but I, I just, I love them. I love them. I love them. Um, probably spotted eagle ray, like 
temperature shuttling, temperature preference, um, maybe temperature sensitivity. I, I really am obsessed with that, like the way animals will sometimes use environmental temperature to drive their physiological processes. I mean, ectotherms, of course. Endotherms were just always doing our thing. Yeah. Making our own heat. But like ectotherms, they're like going, oh, I'll go over here where it's hot because I need to do this. And then I'll go over here where it's cold because I need to do this. Like temperature shuttling, it's so cool to me. Absolutely so cool. Sort of the the eco the ecophysiology of it. Like how are they how is this environment affecting their physiology, affecting their behavior, feedback loop, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I know. Eagle rays are just so pretty. I think my favorite ray species is Mobula rays. Mm-hmm. I just think they're so cool. I was supposed to go to Cabo last summer <laughs> to see the migration <laughs> and, you know, dumb COVID. Yeah. Ugh, totally not bitter. Um, <laughs> but so, so you started out Okay, so how did you go from maybe sharks to rays? Were you did you like rays first, and that's why you went for rays? I think most people when they think of like studying um, chondrichthys or elasmo frogs, mm-hmm. they usually like oh sharks. I want to study sharks. And yeah. stingrays do get overlooked. Yes, one hundred percent. Kind of like with cetaceans, porpoises get overlooked, and all these other like yeah. our smaller ones that are totally cool get overlooked. So did you start with like some? Um, shark species and then get introduced to rays and be like oh these are I think these are cooler and better and I want to study this how did that happen I mean kind of <laughs> um yeah I started out being like I want to study sharks I want to study sharks and then um the more I started to work with rays the more I fell in love with them Um, And I realized like, I love sharks and they're cool. And I would also, you know, hopefully maybe for like a second chapter of my master's, I'll have something with shark hypoxia. Um, But I don't, I just love rays. I think there's so much that we don't, like we already don't know like anything about sharks. There's so much we don't know. And then you go over to batoids and what we don't know is even larger like I'll read these (laughs) review papers and they'll say blah 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 we know this for sharks um we don't know anything about this for batoids um so I think the the possibility of just all this stuff we don't know is very enticing I also just love them there's something about them every time I interact with them I'm just they bring joy to me I don't know. And like my advisors also really like them. So it worked out very well. What experiences have you had with shark species in, in the past? Um, so I used to help care for shark species at Aquarium of the Pacific. I did husbandry volunteering there. And that's what spurred my I want to work with sharks because I spent so much time with them and saw how they have all these different personalities when you see them every day and they're all, they're funny. Um, and then I did a internship in the Bahamas, um, where we did some shark and ray work, but mostly shark work. Oh, at Bimini? So worked, yeah, Bimini. Okay. Um, worked with a lot of juvenile lemon sharks, like so many juvenile lemon <laughs> sharks. Um, I love them. A couple tigers. Little babies. Shark. 
Yeah, the little babies. Oh my they're they're thrashy. Oh, they're yeah. wiggly. They're I just think baby tiger guys. sharks are so pretty. I didn't get to see baby tiger sharks. Oh, they were okay. They were bigger. I saw like a, a smaller male. Yeah. Um, you know, but no, no baby. But I would love to see baby tiger sharks. Their shark, the stripes are just so prominent and it's so pretty. Just so shiny. <sighs> So what is your favorite? I think I know your favorite shark species, but what is your favorite shark species? What do you think it is? I want you I to think guess. it's the pajama shark. No, it's actually the thresher, but I like oh, pajama okay. sharks too. Okay. <laughs> thresher, hundred percent. I love them so That's much. Right. They are, oh my gosh. I, yeah. Thresher sharks are so funny. I've never seen one, but I would like to. I want to see one really bad. That's like one of yeah. my top shark species i want to see makos which i would almost what i probably would have also gotten to see in cabo i've seen one. Oh, i want to see a mako i think they're yeah. they're just like skinny little great whites it's <laughs> how i think of them like salmon sharks are like a squished fat great white <laughs> makos are like stretched out great whites with just real gnarly teeth and then uh-huh. just, you know great whites uh, but yeah. I definitely thought of pajama sharks just because I feel like I've seen you get all gushy over them. And I sent you a video of one at an aquarium and I was like, is this okay? Because it was like <laughs> sitting almost completely out of the water in a touch tank. So I was like, is this normal? Oh, the epaulette shark. Yeah. I do love epaulettes. I yeah. do love epaulettes. That is pretty normal. I think I'm not an epaulette expert, okay. but they are, they like, they'll walk around out of water yeah it didn't like the the i just assumed the aquarium staff would know so we didn't say any i was like whatever i don't know anything about little type pool shark species and but i was just like i'm gonna ask though because (laughs) i don't know this this aquarium honestly may not be the best because their sand tiger exhibit was very small and also had like a bunch of sandbars which thrilled me but i was like there's a lot of sharks in this exhibit and it's not that big yeah Hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I definitely thought that was your favorite, but threshers are also yeah. awesome. Epaulets are like pretty cool too. They're super, high. I've read so much about them because I'm doing hypoxia and elasma brinks. They are super hypoxia tolerant. Like they, I believe can withstand anoxia, which is basically no oxygen. Yeah. They just go into metabolic depression. They just shut down I guess (laughs) so what what about thresher sharks do you find so interesting I love their incredibly unique method of hunting um I think it comes from a love I also just really love the concept of schooling behavior um and the fact that this thresher shark has this method of disrupting schooling behavior in a way that it can feed because if you've ever, you know, if you've ever swam with a school of fish, you try to swim through them, like they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're so uniform. They're so good at, you know, getting out of the way. Um, but, you know, the thresher shark just like flings itself into the, the crowd and just hopes to hit one. Um, and also I love their faces. They are so fun. There's mm-hmm. the, the pictures from the thresher shark ID project right now. <laughs> Every time they have one, it's like, they're like holding it to like get the tag on and it's just its little faces like mm. I think they're so cute they're like just, the least scary looking shark besides like little mm-hmm. ones like besides little ones of the bigger species I would say 
Thresher sharks look the cutest and the less, the least threatening. I feel like yeah. makos are one of the more just because their teeth are very long and scary. And then great whites are huge. La, 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 la. Then there's just yeah. a little thresher with its little gaping mouth, like <laughs> and so, wide eyes. <laughs> they're terrified so funny of the world. looking. Um, so if you could study any shark species anywhere, any topic, what would it be? Um, I don't know. So like thrushers would be cool, but also realistically doing work on them is really hard because they're so pelagic and large and hard to capture. Um, I really love, and this is like American leopard shark. So triacus semifasciata. Um, I really like them and they do a lot of cool stuff with temperature and temperature shuttling and um, physiology fun stuff. So I, I, like those, I like those small California ones like the horn shark and the swell shark and the leopard shark. I, I think, would love to work on them. Have you seen the picture of the, uh, the sea otter eating the horn shark? Yeah, I, I actually, love that picture. I saw that. I've actually seen a sea otter not necessarily eat, but was carrying around a thornback ray. So I saw that and I was so excited. I was like, I have something to contribute to this. I saw something similar. Otters are so but yeah, I've seen it. Oh my I've gosh. I love the little or, it, I think I posted on Facebook and I was like, they're just hanging out. Like that's yeah, not thanks. he's not eating it. Sea otters are totally not violent creatures. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've spent Which, enough time with them in my life. I worked with two river otters. I volunteered at a zoo mm -hmm. and I worked in the education department. So we had mm -hmm. two river otters. They're the most annoying animals. They scream constantly. That's why I tell people, they're like, oh my gosh, otters are so cute. I'm like, yeah, uh huh. But they scream 24 seven. They are, they're adorable. Yes, they're so cute, but they can also be like really mean. And these are river otters. So, you know, sea yeah. otters are totally different. But mm -hmm. river otters usually the ones that everyone sees in like you know SeaWorld has a river otter in the in their shows <laughs> and we had river otters in our shows. They are just wicked little boogers. And when our sea otters and other enclosures have babies, they have to put signs up that say "Mom is not purpose like the babies are not being drowned, but they are." But that's how mommy teaches them to swim because guests would come and be like, oh my, like, oh my gosh, the sea otter's drowning their babies. So they had to put like these little disclaimer posters when they had babies and the mom starts teaching how to swim that no, she's not killing her baby. She's teaching them that they need to just figure out how to hold their breath. <laughs> Nature. And it was just so like, and then, you know, sea otters are brutal creatures. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. I posted that video about sea otters. People were like, they do what? Cause I was like, yeah, they'll like, basically rape seals and even when yeah. they're dead male sea otters are just yeah. so fun yeah they would chase moms around too like when I because I worked very I worked for a year as like a kayak guide in the Elkhorn Slough where we have a huge population of sea otters mm -hmm. and or, you know, be on a tour, taking some people around, and there would be a male sea otter, like, trying to break up, like, mommy baby time, and, like, there'd be a lot of screaming and, and chaos, and these males were just kind of, like, trying to ruin everybody's day. Just getting their own, doing the scientifically. thing. Um, and that was always fun to explain um, <laughs> to the guests. I, I always saw the mothers triumph, like the moms and babies always got away. 
um thank goodness but yeah like kind of chaotic nails still tried it though oh my gosh they did. yeah sorry to ruin everyone who maybe thought sea otters were innocent fluffy little critters they're still fluffy no not so innocent. i much prefer harbor seals to sea otters out of the the three um marine mammals that we would see kayaking you you get sea lions california sea lions harbor seals and sea otters and i much preferred harbor seals above all so cute yeah yeah like never once tried it tried to like i've had sea otters climb on my kayaks i watched a sea lion lunge at my friend's hand she wasn't trying to touch the sea lion the sea lion just popped up near the boat um like we were far enough you know like yeah we know we need to be a certain distance you know we're away and they you know came over and yeah they're fast we can't paddle away from a sea lion (laughs) yeah they're speedy um but see seals the harbor seals would just kind of like look at you and swim away they're so funny looking peaceful yeah they just got little big old eyes yeah so what shark species and ray species like have you seen in the wild in like California and then if you've been to Bimini and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, or what's so, like your favorite? Or like the, maybe the coolest ones that people would be like, ooh. Well, I've, do- I've dove with great hammerheads. Um, I think that's the most flashy one that I can say. And I've also snorkeled with um, white spotted eagle rays. Um but I've seen, like I said, I've seen mako sharks cruising around um, when we've been out on the boats. They'll just like swim by. They're really like you just kind of don't realize what you're seeing until they're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. I've seen them cruise around. Um, tons of I love bat rays. Tons of bat rays. Leopard sharks in San Diego and horn sharks. Um, I saw a brown banded guitar fish, which was oh. pretty unexpected in San Diego, um, kind of at the n- most northern part of its range. So I was really excited to see that. So yeah. That's cool. Have you seen, I feel like I remember you maybe seeing a great white from a boat. Yeah, oh yeah I've seen great whites. <laughs> I always forget about them. <gasps> I, th- I think that'd be so cool to see. I think great whites are, but in California, so it wasn't like full-sized was it um sorry about the people turning their loud cars on outside um no they were they were juveniles um they were not full full size um but yeah they they come hang out and sun themselves in this very i believe it's sunning themselves i'm not 100 percent sure um in this getting their tan yeah <laughs> getting their tan on in this sort of like warm shallow bay in santa cruz um and yeah you can like stand on the cliff and if you're lucky you'll just see one cruising up and down the beach like 10 feet away like people on shore can see them too um and they take they'll take boats out and just kind of cruise around and the the great whites will come by and you can see their like i see why they call them great whites because their belly is so white Mm -hmm. um the counter shading is really dramatic so yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen great whites. I guess this is a cool one. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. I've I've only seen a handful of species. So I think seeing great whites, pretty cool. Yeah. My coolest one, I'm just like tiger shark. <laughs> I mean, that's cool too. It people, was really cool. Dream of that. Yeah, she was really awesome. And 
I was I've seen one faintly and then the one that got like really close she was super cool and I was I really enjoyed it but yeah I like have so many other species I like really want to see and Mm -hmm. I think I shared a list on TikTok or on my Instagram where I was like these are some species I wish I could see one day people were very upset I didn't put great white shark or like dive with great white shark I was like yeah "Yeah, you I don't really want to dive with a great white Mm -hmm. no shade but just not my thing Maybe in a cage. In a cage, I'd feel totally yeah. fine. I don't think I would like, I don't think you can technically like openly free dive unless it just happens to happen. I don't think there's like yeah. tours that do great white no, free diving. I don't think so. No, I it think is sure. pretty much all cage. Yeah. I'm, I'm just very happy to see them from the surface yeah. of the water. Little wave. Um, yeah, little wave, watch them swim along. I think they it's just like, the size, yeah. That's what I was talking about the other day was the size for me. I would just because I don't they're not gonna like eat me. I'm not scared it's gonna attack me. No, they're just so big. They're they're I mean like the babies are you know six feet. What a small baby, as big as a grown human. Right. I had a friend um send me a photo that their sister found it was a salmon shark and they thought it was a a baby gray white and I was like well how big was it I knew it was a salmon shark but I I was curious about size I said like three feet and I was like that's not a baby gray white (laughs) that's too little but if it looks like it and fat salmon shark yeah salmon sharks I want to see a salmon shark that's one don't think I ever would but I think they're so funny looking yeah you might not see one alive but you might see one I'll take it. I will take a dead one. Honestly, fine with that. I see a lot of dead I know. I was like, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I had seen this. Yeah. With that big, is that a guitar fish or was it a sawfish? I cannot for the life of me remember. Oh, I think maybe it was a sawfish. It might've been. I may have said yeah. it wrong. Yeah. yeah. It was huge. And it's like how cool, like they can collect that and then use it, which again, I think is also super cool. Yeah. Although a bummer because they're like pretty endangered. Yeah. They're pretty endangered. So, <laughs> but- so yeah. You know, then we have tissues and we don't have to kill an endangered animal for them. Yeah. So I also, you did the Bimini Shark Lab internship. Mm -hmm. I -hmm. like to coin that as maybe the most desirable internship for shark lovers because my friend went through the application process for it and got it, but then, you know, COVID, she didn't get to do it. Um, And I was like there with it and it was, um, it's a more intense than some not all internships are not intense but for one that like I've had I've applied for and had other friends apply for it seemed pretty rigorous and a lot of phone calls and she was like so and she's a huge shark lover that she was just like I need this I want this this is amazing yeah um is would you maybe say my 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 coinage of the most desirable internship for shark lovers is appropriate I guess it depends on the type of shark lover you are. I definitely was like, oh my gosh, I need to do this. And when I got it, I was so stoked. And I did learn a ton and I don't think I would be where, where I am without it for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess, you- I guess maybe. I just think like it, yeah. it's super cool. Like you're with a really cool shark researcher doing hands-on shark research, but also in like a really pretty place. Yeah. So it's yeah. not just like, oh, going to Florida, you go to Hawaii, like you do the Him Shark Lab or you do mm-hmm. whatever at whatever in Florida. Moat. You could do moat. Yeah. But then you're yeah. like, I went to Bimini <laughs> and I got to like. Measure. Yeah. You're not thinking about rigorous though. Like physically, um, 
incredibly rigorous. Yeah. So like, what um, can you kind of like summarize what an intern would do there for people who are listening and maybe you're like, I want to do a shark internship and I don't know of any like Bimini Shark Lab. What is it like to be an intern at Bimini Shark Lab? Yeah, um, you're up at 730 every day unless it's an off day, unless you're off. Um, and sometimes, you know, the day before what you're going to do. Um, sometimes you you have no idea you wake up and you like get your assignment for the day. Um, what I really liked about it, um, I didn't love having to do duty, but I did love that everybody um, took their turn where they cleaned for the day and they helped upkeep the lab. Um, I liked that sort of community sort of like rotating through everybody is like putting in putting in that to help keep everything running for everyone. Um, but yeah, there was like a, just a ton of time in the field when I was there. My friend Kendall was doing her master's um, project where she was doing grubs, which is baited remote underwater videos. Yeah. So you know, you would go out in the field and you'd help her, you set out the cameras and then you'd wait to pick them up. Or, you know, you're at the lab all day outside also fixing gill nets, which is one of the less um, glamorous things. That's glamorous, you know, yes. I fixed the net, it is nets. not the most glamorous job. <laughs> yeah, from fixing gill nets to doing, you know, like long line checks mm-hmm. um, at 2 a.m., which was also rigorous. But yeah. I would say more fun than fixing gill nets in 90 degree weather, mm-hmm. huge humidity, no shade, um, like literally like no trees overhead, not trying to like be just sun. Shade. <laughs> no shade, like the sun directly no shade. <laughs> um, but I did like fixing gill nets was tough, but I also did really love it. Like everybody, if there was a giant hole, they were like, okay, Chessie, can you just take care of this giant hole? Because like I was saying at the beginning, I love knitting. So that's sort of like weaving with your hands kind of thing. They, I was just like, give me the giant holes in the gill nets. I want to patch the whole thing up. You were just made for doing that with your your amazing knitting skills. Yeah. No, I was like weaving that monofilament, I think it is. I, I yeah. No, I, I think that, yeah. 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 We've had to nets and I hate cleaning nets. I was was a TA and so whenever students or even whenever we would go out and use the net for a lab sometimes our professor would have the students clean it which was so nice but sometimes Mm -hmm. there was one semester where they got really lazy and even with like we had little boats that they'd take out and he wouldn't even have them clean those and so we'd come into work the next day and just have to clean four boats and then do the net and they stink at that point because they were left in the lab and no one told it like you know I would have willingly come into work again just to clean them the night of because they get so stinky but cleaning nets and then drying it out and then if it rained it was so I just yeah nets were like the bane of my existence to a bit in my lab because I hated how stinky they always were no matter I feel like how great I did a cleaning quote which is rinsing it off we just rinsed them off but yeah that but I think that's, I think that that's super cool. I think Bimini Shark Lab, like I love the pictures from their labs. I think it's super cool. Mm-hmm. And so did you just, you had lemons and tigers. Are there any other species that you got to work with from the research setting? Yeah, so helped um, do work upon bulls and nurses as well. And a couple of sharp nose, Atlantic sharp nose. Oh, cool. 
And then you got to swim with or dive with a great hammerhead. Was it just a yep. great hammerhead or was there like other sharks as well? I mean, there were no sharks around. Okay. Nerd sharks. A lot of people got really mad at me actually on that video for saying nurse shark is nobody's favorite. And I guess a nurse shark is a lot of people's favorite. But I don't think a nurse shark should be but like favorite. not like a favorite favorite. It's like it's like a favorite because people aren't scared of it. Yeah. That's what I, I and they're cute. I do think they're cute. Like I want to see a nurse shark. But like they're not as cute as like a thresher shark. No. No, I just I you also like every I think the point is like it's a nurse shark. Mm -hmm. It's a nurse shark. You you try to work up a nurse shark one time and you will understand why I am just (laughs) like a nurse shark. I mean, like on the dive too, they 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 have no concept of personal space. Yeah. Um they're fearless. Which is interesting because I feel like nurse, I mean, like a nurse shark bite would suck, but also their mouth is so much smaller compared to the rest of their head. Um, And their teeth are a lot smaller and they just kind of do that like suction thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I find is interesting because they seem to be very fearless with humans. Where on the other hand, you have these giant toothy sharks, which seem to be more skittish. In, yeah. in my like personal experience. No, yeah, I mean like, that's how. I, yeah. Sorry, I, I started no, with bull say, sharks. Yeah, and they were more skittish than I think it was a silky and a sandbar that were there, oh, and so they was... were way more, you know. Yeah. Like the bulls were afraid of us. Yeah. Which is not the narrative you normally hear about bull sharks. Yeah, well, that's how tiger sharks were kind of like on the north shore is we were going out we were always like you're like obviously we have like these beautiful encounters of, of tiger sharks that are posted like yeah they come by but those yeah. encounters where they get really close or where they get to a point where like redirection is needed are more rare they tend to just kind of come by look and swim away and they're like yeah. these big 16 foot sharks or whatever compared to like galapagos and then the sandbars the sandbars are the most ballsy little like chihuahuas essentially and they are like the most frisky on dives like especially mm-hmm. this last summer it was so freaking bizarre i've never had this happen but we had days where sandbars were just so feisty that we had to get out of the mm-hmm. water just for like wow you know, inside of caution they were yeah. just kind of getting way too close and it was just not like a great situation for everyone and so you know you pull you pull out and you wait for them to see if they'll calm down and it was so funny i have videos where they're just like right up on the camera and I was just like what go Shh, no and that's part of the reason I love them is because they are literally like chihuahuas they are literally like six seven feet that's a little like they're not the biggest shark Galapagos are bigger sandbars are, are not sandbars tiger sharks are way bigger and yet yeah. they act like they have the biggest balls in the whole the whole ocean and they don't care about you little person they're just going to kind of come up and do their own thing yeah and I find that fun and then with nurse sharks what are you going to do like you, you don't have they have teeth but they don't have teeth yeah their skin is really thick though oh like, yeah I yeah I just I've always said if I got bit by any I have this weird thing where I think it'd be cool to get bit by a shark it'd be sad you know shark bite. it is cool but I think it'd be really cool I've like, been bit by a shark oh my god whoa just <laughs> share how dare you hold this in bamboo it's a bamboo shark with a mouth that's like an inch wide just a little finger nibble 
Yeah, I mean, but it, it bit my arm and scratched me. So it I is. have been bit by a shark, but it was like zero drama. But yeah, there was this video of a girl on TikTok and she's laying with her back to a bunch of nurse sharks and one comes up and bit, I want to say her forearm. And I was like, Loki, I'd be really, first of all, just don't lay with your back to sharks. But second, I'd be Loki super excited. Like it hurt, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever. But I'd be like, I got bit by a shark. And I'm like a cool, and it's just yeah. like a little nubby scar and like, it's a nurse shark. But I always am like, oh, it'd be so cool. I always say mm-hmm. I wouldn't do anything to make it happen. But like, no. if something happened, I'd be like, yeah, I got bit by a shark. Yeah. Like, I think it's fun. I know if you like experienced older shark scientists have been bit and they have scars and stuff from it. Yeah. From I rice. want like a little shark bite. I'm not wanting like a tiger shark to like take no. a little chunk. I'd be like little reef shark, maybe something just like. Is that a reef shark and do some damage? It would, but I'd be like, <laughs> but a nurse shark, I'd be like, yeah, cool. A nurse shark. shark. And I also feel like of all the sharks to bite me, a nurse shark. But anyway, I think. They would I, though. That's the thing is they would. They do, and this has happened a couple times. I think a couple years ago, another girl got in the, yep. in the media, and she was like, "I was attacked by a shark," and it was a nurse shark. We were kind of like, "You were bit by a nurse shark." And it was another one with your back. They want that Instagram photo where yeah. you're like, mm, and all the sharks are around you. And I'm like, yeah, it's a cute photo, but like, I feel like the one of like the number one rule on tours with shark dives is always like eye contact don't turn your back I mean like keep like look around but like that's not you don't turn your back for like a selfie like you don't do that yeah and so and I know like I think in Florida I don't know like our lemon I've seen lemon sharks and I feel like they're kind of similar to the sandbars in terms of maybe getting all up in your face but yeah I not I'm not sure because I've never Mm -hmm dove with them mm-hmm. um but i believe that's what i was told just they're yeah. friendly <laughs> they don't believe in that personal bubble COVID, <laughs> no <laughs> yeah um, I mean, the silky shark that was on our dive was pretty friendly oh cool oh i know oceanic white tips are very curious yeah that's one species yeah that's one species like every video i see of them is pretty much like oh and they come right in and then the person's like, no, please no. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, I love sharks and I, I'm definitely like, you don't have to be super duper afraid of them. But also, you know, I know that they can do damage and they're, yeah, wild they're not animals. puppies. No, yeah. like you should not cuddle them. That's not going to happen. Well, it's like, um, it's, they're still very capable predators and it's like, I think we were talking about orcas and people are like, well, what if the reason orcas there's not like documented attacks is less so that like we've over anthropomorphized them, but that we don't have a lot of experience in the water with like transients to say like in Norway where there's yeah. diving, it's with resident killer whales, which are, which are fish eaters. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe if we were in the water more with transients, things might start happening. And mm-hmm. like, same with dolphins, dolphins, everyone thinks sees as super friendly, but they will bite people and are super aggressive and they're more than capable. And the same goes for like, you know, sharks. Yeah. yeah it's cute. Or you think it's cute. And I don't think all sharks are innately adorable, but they have the potential to do something. And that's why you got it. Like, if you're going to do like interact with a shark to know, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, okay to be kind of scared of sharks. I yeah I think a healthy fear and a healthy respect is like 
probably better than complete fearlessness yeah like way better oh yeah way way better than just you're more informed they're just puppies I mean just go touch it scratch it and they're literally like a dog you just give give it a little (laughs) just don't touch their (laughs) private parts I learned that in a movie (laughs) my dad always says that with shark stuff um because of 50 first dates <laughs> but oh. yeah when I forget the name of the character when he's like he got bit by a shark he's like they only by only bite if you touch their private parts my dad says that anytime I was like going diving or when I took him diving he said it and I was like oh my gosh oh, dads I know that everyone here hopefully gets the reference you know you're on a walk yeah. hooky Lao cafe was in my neighborhood you know we're hoping um, fingers crossed ooh. so yeah on on you know kind of we're gonna wrap it up Did yeah like when I say that um so with masters do you have any I don't know if like tips is the right word advice insight maybe to give some students I know like I never got anything um leaving my bachelor's to be fair I what I did not think I'd want a master's for the longest time and it's a recent thing I realized I want and mm-hmm. so it's kind of something I'm like, well, crap, like I was in a good place and now I'm not. Um, and I think, but also some listeners may be like, oh, I'm in my sophomore year. Do I want to do a master's or yeah. how, how, what's advice, tips, or just a general? I mean, I think if you are thinking that you might want to do a master's, I think it's really important to get research experience and see if you actually like research. Cause I have friends most of my close friends from college hate research and they really love marine science education and they think I'm really silly I mean they're happy for me they respect what I do but they they just they do not understand the love of research that I have um so I'd say like it is definitely really really important to do research like I did Catalina semester where I had to design and execute my own independent research project, like the previous independent research project had kind of been given to me, laid out. I was told what I needed to do. Um, But on Catalina, like I had to go out and make observations and read literature and design methods and submit a proposal. So it was like a mini peek at what a master's was. And I loved it. Yeah, I cried happy tears while analyzing my data. Like I loved it. Yeah. Um, but I knew I didn't want to immediately go to a master's. So I did, you know, some work and then I realized I want more scientific responsibility than this. Yeah. Um, and that's what made me go, you know, I need to go. I don't need to, like, I need to go do this. I want to get a master's. So for people who are sort of, rolling it around in their heads try to get some research experience figure like you do not want to get into grad school and realize that you hate research because if you're doing a thesis based masters you are doing research that that is what you're doing yeah um and then if you know that you want to get a master's and you're trying to figure out like how do i get into places where do i go um read literature I know like that sounds so tedious and and not the most fun thing to do but the more 
papers you read, the better you will be at having these conversations about what you might want to do um, and finding people who do the things that you might want to do and, and work under. Because um, you can go down rabbit holes looking through references and, and looking at, like find one paper that interests you and then look at who they've referenced and who wrote those stuff and the titles of those papers and then go, you know, read those. Um, that's, that's honestly, I know it doesn't sound like the most, I mean, I like reading papers, mm -hmm. but to some people it might not sound like the most fun thing to do, but I found that to be incredibly helpful. Um, figuring out what you want to do in any discipline. And also if you can, I know they're so expensive, but if you can get to conferences, if you, you can do that, that is also really helpful. And I know a lot of conferences sometimes will have discounted rates for students and sometimes will have scholarships that you can apply to, yeah. to, um, to be able to travel yeah. to them. So. so I'll add like a piggyback question just for people mm -hmm. who are listening. What is like, how, how is a master's different from a bachelor's? And then what is the difference of like, say your thesis master's to like, ver like other things like kind of, cause I think a lot of people think it's just two more years of classes and that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, no. So your bachelor's is, you know, four or five years, maybe three, if you're incredible and graduate early of, of, Really the only thing, hey, nice. <laughs> really the only thing you're like required to do to get your bachelor's, at least at my university was complete the classes and pass them. We didn't even have like an undergrad thesis requirement or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then a master's is at least for a thesis track master's. Yes, you're taking classes, you might even be teaching too. Like I teach um, a couple non-majors um, biology labs, but when you're there for a thesis, you are there to do a project, to do a research project, write a thesis on it and hopefully publish it. Mm -hmm. And then you have like, so I'm doing a master's of science in biology, but you also have masters of arts in biology, my friend just got into a program. And I believe you still do research projects, but I think those, if I'm not mistaken, are geared towards societal perception and best ways to teach things um, scientifically. And then you also have masters of professional science, which I should know a little bit better <laughs> what it is. But some some masters you're you're taking classes and you're doing a couple like other projects, but you're not doing like a whole thesis where you're publishing and like putting it into the literature, yeah. if that makes sense. But they're yeah. all amazing, great valid degrees and yeah. can help. It just depends what you want to do. Yeah, weren't yeah. there more where there's like, yours is very much kind of like your own project, but there may be others where you're working in a lab on another mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah, and that's the thing is like they vary, but like I feel like I didn't know anything about a master's besides just thinking oh it's two more years of school and I just get another degree but mm -hmm. it, and but I really like the idea of like creating my own research project I have a couple ideas that I wanted to do I was trying to do um like my own study like very loose study in my undergrad yeah. COVID no thank you yep 
but I've been like looking at emailing professors at different labs around here and at universities like hey are you taking students or would you or like what are you doing could like all that kind of stuff just trying to like get a network out there but I definitely like there's no and same happens in high school there's no class where I feel like they like prepare you for that next step truly besides apply for college okay like go get your master's and then you're like what the hell is a master's almost yeah what am I gonna do what's the difference between a master's of arts master's science like all that kind of stuff people ask me about bachelor's like what's the difference between a bachelor's of arts and science I was like I didn't even realize I was going for one or the other I gotta tell you I when I applied Uh for college I wasn't aware (laughs) that there was a difference yeah there is no class and honestly I had to seek that information out like my parents are not scientists mm-hmm. um I mean my dad my dad's an engineer so he's in STEM but he yeah. they're not biologists um you know they the whole like they're not academics they're not academia yeah. well my mom kind of is becoming one now um yeah. you know that's for her well, um <laughs> but they're not you know I had to I got help from a grad student who was at my school who I did that data entry for mm-hmm. and then he was like hey this is how you do the thing and I was like what you know I have to be accepted by a person before I'm accepted by a school yeah um, yeah it's just it's very different and that's uh I mean I'm sure there's lots of people that are spreading that information mm-hmm. but I also feel like I haven't seen it and that's something I'm trying to do too is like as I am working on in a few years going back for a master's documenting like yeah, I took a couple years off one because I moved to a foreign country and COVID, but like, and showing like what that might be like, depending on whatever I do, if I just may, I would love to do my own kind of project, like what you're doing and I have a bunch of ideas, but I'm also totally fine with just like piggybacking and assisting in a lab or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, I just, I love like lab work and helping with research. And I was told masters is the way to do that for, for life and for more. And that's why I really Uh like it. Um, so yeah, I just, I think that those are very, that's very valuable information. And so next, more advice. What tips or advice do you have for aspiring marine scientists? And if possible, or if there is anything specific for people who maybe want to look at studying chondrichthys? Yeah, um, baby marine scientists, my darlings, my friends. Um, my love it's letter okay. to you. you can do it. You can do it. Don't, don't get discouraged. I know it's stressful um I would say what I did was I cast a wide net in undergrad um maybe it was almost a little too wide um (laughs) did everything so I think it is really good um to get experienced as soon as you can it doesn't have to be anything glamorous understand that it's probably not going to be glamorous when you're first starting out when it's your first experience like you know the first thing I did was organize an excel spreadsheet and enter data Um, which was kind of fun it was you know like and then you know slowly like other grad students in the lab were like will you help me track this turtle will you come help me like fish I was not a great person to take fishing because I'm really <laughs> bad at catching hook and line stuff. I don't know what it is. I suck so bad. Um, but, you know, I was there to take photos while they did, you know, inserted trackers and, yeah. and tags and stuff like that. 
Um, so you, you kind of like you you climb the step ladder and it's okay and stuff that you go get volunteer experience in doesn't have to be what you want to do with the rest of your life. You know, I started out doing education, volunteering, which, you know, I, I want to do research in academia, but I think having um, that experience is like still really good. It's, it's all valuable. So do what you can. Yeah. <laughs> get out there and, you know, apply. And like the worst thing that's going to happen is people are going to say no. Yeah. And they're going to send a hate letter with it. You suck. <laughs> Here's why. <laughs> That's the thing I've always told people or I try and like you don't need experience necessarily even in marine science like a lot of other kinds of like research or whatever are applicable yeah. like working it doesn't need to be an aquarium like go work at a zoo if you can mm-hmm. and just get husbandry experience because it can kind of apply like learning yeah. how to like have those sheets where you're tracking medication tracking health like that can transfer over to if you work in an aquarium or if you work in a lab with fish and how depending on how seriously your lab is and if you have those kind of sheets that that can also apply to that or even like I assisted on a, like a cricket research project mm-hmm. I don't want to do do crickets but then I learned a lot about data collection writing down everything yep. about like what's happening where you are how does that influence the behavior of said cricket and that is a total like learning experience and you could just kind of like put like oh yeah I assisted on this project this mm-hmm. is what we did I I learned how to input data how to like use drone footage and take data from a drone and put it into a system like you may you may have done it like just for those few months of that project but like it's still something valuable and shows that you have somewhere to start and yeah and that's it totally may be something you don't care about (laughs) and that's like I don't have skills I don't have any experience with tetaphors sadly there's not much sadly but it's like you just do what you gotta do yeah, what do we know about tinafores, honestly? Um, What's like in the literature? Because I, I mean, I'm yeah. so disconnected from all this stuff. If it's not a fish, I there's not. I mean, there there's like a lot. There's also not a lot. There's the new tinafore species that Noah published last year. Um, it was discovered, I think, in like 2014, but they just published like or like released new tinafore dropped um and <laughs> they look so funny they look like little hot air balloons with little like pants and then they have these long lines that come down and those they predict are how they use to like ground themselves um and there's like a ton of they're like the weirdest looking benthic tinafore species one of my favorites is it lives symbiotically with i think pencil slate urchins and it's like this t- you can you won't even know it's it looks like goo but it's this little benthic sea urchin that lives on not sea urchin, tinafore that lives on a sea urchin species, which I just find fascinating. And benthic tinafores come in like these fluorescent bright colors. I can send you a picture. It's the, they look like socks on a, like a drawing line. I would love that. They literally look like socks. And benthic species, I'm totally new at understanding because I really like the pelagic floating, our little glittery bioluminescent species. Uh, yeah. um, like Balanopsis. I love Balanopsis tinafores. Um, but there's so much like I'm really interested to see um, how they play maybe into pollution levels because I look at mm. I, I'm really interested in plastic pollution yeah. from an invert standpoint because we know a lot about fish and larvae eating plastic yeah. but a lot of invertebrate species kind of like larvae are at the bottom of our of the ecosystem feeding trophic pyramid whatever and so if nanoplastics are really this huge prevalent thing how many like 
of the their larval species how many tenophores have also like eaten plastic how does that affect because then they're eaten and it bioacclimates so that's something i found interesting and i was directed to a couple other people who are studying like gelatinous zooplankton as a whole which tenophore are coupled into because a lot of people don't necessarily study tenophores alone yeah badly but they are kind of coupled into gelatinous zooplankton there is a debate between some people that think tenophores are technically cnidarians still, which I find okay. interesting because I thought that we pretty much, I learned this, I think in the last year that there are still some taxonomists who think that tenophores should just be like in the cnidarian class, even though their coloblast is very different from stinging cells, nematocytes, but some people think it's just like a different version because mm. it's sticky and like anemones feel sticky. So maybe it's like the same, whatever. I think that they should be different because we have enough cnidarians. Um, And I haven't, I haven't seen it. I just know my professor was studies cnidarians. So she's heard a bit about it. Um, But yeah, that's something else that I think people, I'm sure there are people out here that might be like, oh, well, I think they're cnidarian, but whatever. Conspiracy theorists. Scientists and their taxonomic drama. It is a universal experience. Everybody has opinions about where things should be on that tree and how it should be classified. And I love, I took a class and we got into change. a huge debate about it. We were like, is this a species? Cause we were, I think he brought up like dog breeds. What are they? What's, what's the difference? And then that's how we led into like a discussion of how complicated taxonomy can be. He's like, are different dog species, different species? Are they breeds? Are they like, what do yeah. you think? And we were just like, stop, no, it's too early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like what is the species really? Yeah, that's the thing. There's a ton of like debate within the killer whale community too. Like should each ecotype almost be a different species because they are completely different and so many have branched off genetically like and are not related for like million, like I think a couple are like millions of years almost. I will talk to an orca expert next episode, people. So don't, don't worry. We may get into this, but I'm just like, I can't speak on this. I can't, I can't really, I know, I know like loosely about killer whales. I cannot get into like the specific of ecotype differences, but same thing. It's like, there's a ton of debate on, should these all be different species of killer whale? Cause ecotype is just like, oh, different location. So different, whatever. Yeah. It's taxonomy. (laughs) Yeah. Anyone wants to be a taxonomist going on for a while you're right? interested the, yeah the ecotype oh yeah well there was one I think oh, I don't know I don't want to say new ecotype or there's a new ecotype or a new species described like last year and then there's eating ones those are off yeah offshores yeah so we have offshores here there's offshores in New Zealand and I think the species in oh no the ones in Hawaii are mammal eating um, well, then, well, honestly, tropical killer whales eat whatever the hell they want. So they're kind of just a not. So maybe those, yeah. I don't know if there's any instances of killer whales eating other killer whales. There are instances of infanticide among killer whales. They don't yeah. eat the baby. They just want to do it Mam- with mama. Mammals are jerks. On, yeah, honestly, yeah. That's A lot of people anthropomorphize marine mammals. And I'm like, no dolphins mammals are i mean we're mammals we're also jerks like. yeah look at us we're not a great blueprint and no dolphins really mean fish just fish. fish are very honest about what they are just very easy to predict <laughs> yeah they're just they are what they are they're not I thinking too hard no like no shade to fish 
they, they are thinking very hard thinking. though they're very they are, they are thinking but it's not like you know dolphins where they're like you know how we all see dolphins and their complexities fish There's do no think calculation fish do think maybe not like how okay i do have to say i think it was in seaspiracy they had that scene of like a grouper getting bashed in the head and the other grouper watching and i was like i did not watch that part i think i had turned it off by then i was like i know this is sad but and i know fish totally can recognize because like i worked with fish and i think to a degree they knew we were coming probably more so like oh hey you left me all night time to feed yeah like sort of associate you with food yeah and there was almost like there was we had a panther grouper and i almost feel like he wouldn't hide with certain people that were more normal in the lab, mm-hmm. but where another people came, he hid. So mm-hmm. I definitely think and know, yes, that fish do think and are sentient. Sentient. Okay. I think you think you have made a video about fish sentience as well. Mm-hmm. And people, I'm sure there were stupid comments in that video as well. But you were just like, <laughs> fish can think and like you know, they also feel pain and all that. Yeah, I think somebody called fish dumb and I was like, uh, no. There's no room for Um, that on this page. (laughs) Also, I get, uh, this was like back before when you could, you know, go places, but um, like walking around aquariums, I would just overhear people calling fish like ugly and stuff. And I was like, am I going to start a fight right now? (laughs) Am I going to have an altercation? Yes. How dare you? How dare you? That's so yeah. You fish, came from that. Fish are, I think fish are super cool. I think yeah. fish are great. So yeah, so lastly, this has been a pleasure. Yeah. So lastly, I would like you to plug anything you want to plug, yourself, organizations, whatever it may be, your books, and just tell us all I about mean, it and where we can find you and whatever you plug. Um, when I publish my thesis, please read it. Um, no, actually, I mean, I would love that. Um, if people are interested when I, you know, in like two years when I have published my research, um, please read it, you know, set, set an alarm two years from now. Perfect. Pulling it out now. Um, I mean, yeah, if you feel like it, you could follow me on instagram my summer field season is coming up um so that would be cool as long as you're like i'm also going to post about roller skating and knitting so you will get marine biology content. it's awesome and your cats you will you will see all the other shit that i do uh and then and like the tiktoks as well if you feel inclined they are there stingray um, scientist stingray scientist and um Instagram is chessy, um, but like chess and C, so it's spelled um, C-H-E-S-S-E-E-A, um, because chessy, when C is spelled S-E-A, is taken by like somebody's dog Instagram that hasn't Ooh. been posted since, two, since 2013. Ooh. And I want that username, you know, because like my nickname's Chessie, mm-hmm. I like the ocean, Chessy, it just works yeah chessy um people often are like chestier <laughs> so i felt like i needed to explain i think yeah i think it's perfect and i'll link i'll like 
hyperlink those in the description so you guys just go click cool. on them i love that your tiktok videos are great and i really recommend people to watch because it's like a great combination yeah. of science communication and then funny <laughs> you've made some That's really so- funny science ones that i love i'm glad you think i'm funny because um growing up i never thought i was funny people told me that i was not funny so i'm know. happy to when it's fun to have like niche humor like science humor I think it's so especially like marine science on top of it science humor is great and then marine science humor thanks so yeah but thank you for coming on yeah thanks for having me this was so fun